hey what's going on champagne sharks how's everyone going um you know someone the other day um imitated the show and it's amazing how many ticks we have like like did the whole thing they did uh i don't remember if it's house cleaning or housekeeping um i don't know if this is a paid episode or not fuck it i was like wow i'm <laughs> fucking really predictable like they did the whole thing from like top to bottom like the five what they do that what's that I said, where'd they do it at? Oh, it was, um, I met a fan out there and they said, look, 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 I'm going to do your show. And they oh, did it. in person? Yeah, in person. I was like, wow. I was like, wow, this is <laughs> fucking very accurate. And I'm like, you know what? I have to just f do it all different just to like, uh, fuck with people. Like, I feel like it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little stale. So yeah, it's a champagne sharks. How's it going? Um, you know, power to the people. I got to throw some new phrases in there. Um, yeah, so we have here in the house, Mike. Good evening, everybody. This is Mike. You can find me on Twitter at Black Exception One if you're looking for me. If not, you won't find me. Yeah, exactly. Yo, <laughs> we should put like some smooth jazz in the back. Like we got to, we got to like switch it up. Cause someone said a curious cat too. They said, "Yo, I love the show." Well, 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 well. They said, "Uh, I think you're handsome, but." the show is getting stale because there's this thing that people are doing now where they're weighing in on if I'm ugly and then they weigh in on if, that, if they like the show. No. So, so like, uh, I don't know what? how. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a weird thing. So people will be like, you know, Hey, you know, I think you're very ugly, but your show wow. is great. And then, but no, I think it's a joke because <laughs> one person did it. And I put what happens on curious cat when one person does something and you put it up and you link to it on Twitter, I guess a lot of people see it. They didn't want to make their own same joke. Mm. So then in response to all the other ones, it just became this thing where people would just would do both. They would say, uh, you know, uh, if they thought I was attractive and if they liked the show. And then one person did a really good neck. They did, uh, your show matters to me. I feel about your show the way I feel about your looks. So th that's even better because you don't even know what that one even means. Like, <laughs> oh, Hold on, you got to read that one back to me again. I got to see if I can uh, decode that. No, that's I. I, it's, I think it's like a backhanded compliment. It's like you know your your looks and your show matter equally to me. Mm. <laughs> so, something something like that, or you know, I feel as uh. I feel as positively about your looks as I do about your show. But they really... <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of that thing soon. I think it's like brutal, man. Like you know, I there's a few good questions on there I want to answer and then close it down because uh, I threatened to close it down in the past, and then someone was like. Oh no! Don't do it because uh, that's like the one arena where people feel comfortable being anonymous with you. I'm like, yeah, that's the fucking problem. <laughs> like, I get too, I get too comfortable with this shit. Yeah, yeah. The the anonymity just like really emboldens people and stuff. She has feelings too, you guys. I mean, you don't gotta, you know. I heard his feelings the other day when I when I compared his picture. Oh to yeah, a Richie album cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was the harshest thing anyone said to and me. I'm that's worse. That's worse than all the curious cats. No, say it ain't so. <laughs> because I didn't, you know, I didn't mean it. I was, it, I looked at it and I was like, look at this. It looked like he's taking a picture for an album cover. And then it's just like, Lionel Richie came to my mind. Wait, wait, no, no, because, uh, yeah, yeah, for, for listeners. And then listeners, you could weigh in because maybe I'm being uh, over the top. But he said that my picture resembled Lionel Richie in the face. And I just felt like I wouldn't say that, in the face, bro. I would just say like your holes, your stance, your posture, the hair, 
everything. It's your okay, whole okay, look. Okay. I mean, obviously. Okay, okay. You don't that's look that's like, not bad. If, like, if it's the whole look, I, I thought you meant like you know the jawline and. The no, whole. I was just going like with you know how you had your hand in your pocket. You got your coat kind of open. You okay, know, that's your hair, fair. You got your phone in your hand. It looked like an album cover, and I just you know light skin. You light skin. I'm thinking Lionel Richie. That's, that's I could have threw in maybe I don't know. That's somebody fair. Else, that, that, that's fair. I I thought you were saying like you know I could. Uh, Pass for him in uh as a body no. double, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think Lionel Richie's a is as I think Lionel Richie's a handsome man. But, I don't, he, you don't, you but you know, but... you know, he did get some plastic surgery, I think, because his face did does he? look different now. Yeah, because if you look at the old pictures and the new pictures, I'll, I'll admit he looks much better older than he does. He does younger. I, I, I'll give it, I'll give it that. But you know what? This could be a new controversy along with the. Um, the the fat thing, which people are still going on about, like it's yeah, people are still sparking theories on why I seem fat. But yeah. hey, I, I heard you on um, what was that? Uh, damn, I escape from planning. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about that on there. Yeah, yeah, that was that episode was pretty good. Hey guys, if you haven't listened, I did an episode of the podcast Escape from Plan A. You can just Google Escape from Plan A SoundCloud or or um yeah yeah you can you can find it. Uh, I think their Twitter handle is Plan A Mag. Um, P L A N A M A G. I hope I have it right. I'm hoping I'll send people like someplace else. But but yeah, that thing I thought was pretty. Yeah, I'll put it in the notes too. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it it is planning Mag. Yeah, but I thought that I thought the episode was pretty interesting. Yeah, I did too. I, I liked it. Yeah, you know, um, and you know, I you know, I never really thought about you know a lot of the. Yeah, uh, I just it just never really occurred to me that that there would be like uh kind of overlap yeah into, you know between like i just i, I never would have even thought about it i don't know why it was just never you know because the, you know we're pretty you wouldn't, you wouldn't think groups. it yeah yeah you wouldn't think it but well well you know where i'm where my mind first opened to it is on curious cat uh you know i should always give context i just act like everybody knows that what everything is now curious cat is this uh site where people can go and ask you anonymous questions and i've been using it since the beginning of the show as a place to get topics for uh or you know to do question and answer things um yeah but when I first started the show and a curious cat, like several people, I don't know if they were Asian or they're just fans of this guy, but they recommended this guy, Frank Chin, uh, to me. And then okay. I finally read him and he's the guy that had the essay on racist love, but he also had, um, this other one that was very good. I had to buy a book to get it. I couldn't find it in PDF form online. Let me, let me, let me find let me find it's a very long title this essay oh yeah it's an essay called come all ye asian american writers and then there's, there's more written but i can't remember the full the full name and he, he comes with the heat he's really good and then that gave me a lot of uh ideas that i applied to black people but then mm -hmm. trying to find out more about um frank chin led me into like um asian american reddit and you know what i think the asian people have going on that is and this is something that is very common with first generation second generation immigrants and stuff is there's a lot of things that they don't realize not pc to say because even though they're very americanized it's still very kind of uh because caribbean people are lots of the same way and stuff you know mm -hmm. and so it's like they have these videos like like, like for example uh, on that site happens they do things that I don't really see an equivalent of on black sites. So like like happens like the half Asians. Yeah. And and if you go to like the black biracial Reddit site, they'll be there talking about the same old stuff 
since the the 1700s or 1800s like as long as they've been biracials it's been the same thing like uh i'm not black enough for the black people i'm not white enough for the white people i don't really fit in anywhere oh you know i um uh, oh i believe in a post-racial society because my dad is white or my, my mom is white and my dad you know like the same old cliches and then when you go in the um asian the half asian side the happers they're all talking about hey so um let's break down the taxonomy of everything and okay what's the difference between an asian male white female couple versus a asian female white male couple and then they break down they take all the celebrities who fall mm -hmm. into each category figure out which group is like you know more successful create this elaborate theory of uh of why that is and the psychodynamics and share all their like personal stories and i'm like wow this is really mm. interesting like for example i've never heard in all the years of like uh all the years of literature on being biracial i never heard i never seen someone try to break down a taxonomy of what are all the differences between a white man black female couple versus a black male white female couple and why and what are all the uh different permutations of of each and yes yeah, really like fascinating stuff and you talk about stuff like okay what happens if you're you know an asian woman who hates asian men but you get with the white man because you want to um you know have kids that look more white but you also don't like asian men and one thing that you and your white husband like to do is make fun of asian men like you know one of his joys is the idea that he's like you know cucking asian men then you have a son mm. And that son looks to their average American person as an, as just a full-blooded Asian man. Mm. So now what happens to you as the white guy who like mocking Asian men when you have a son who looks Asian? And what happens to you like the Asian woman when you have this issue or this hated Asian men and now your son looks Asian? And then how wow. does that how does that affect the daughter who um who comes into that dynamic? And they talk about all this stuff. And it's like whether you believe it or not, it's a fascinating level of thought to put into it. Exactly. And I, I would definitely love to read some of their observations as far as like what they think the outcomes, yeah. you know, have been and would be or, and why they are. Yeah. One, the one problem, way this yeah. way and one way the other way. One of the problems is the site is really angry. So oh. what okay. So so what happens is it's best to read like the staples of a site. You know, when like a message board or something has like some classic posts that mm -hmm. kind of explain everything. It's best to try to find those. And try to find like you know those sites. I mean those those classic threads that kind of break down the whole. One of the things they they have is an exhaustive list of all the white supremacists who are dating or married to um, Asian women, oh. and it's like really like almost exhaustive. It's incredible, and you, and it's funny was they had a New York Times article about that um, a couple years later, and they were kind of taking credit. They're like, "There's no way she didn't." see this from our, our reddit like you know really really fascinating stuff but they're really angry now and now it's just like kind of just griping so well, what's the source of their anger are they what are they angry a lot of them have white fathers that were um a lot of them complained that they had white fathers who were kind of racist or low-key racist or mm. i mean it's very see this is the thing like it's hard to say how much of it is true you know and also you don't want to say oh they're what they're saying applies to everybody you know right, um right. that's that's the thing but it's some interesting food for thought and it's stuff that i kind of because okay it made me think right because i like to look at one thing and see if i can use it to help me um right. apply it to something else and one of the things um one of the things that i always wonder is what happens when these b mats what happens if they have a son that just looks pretty 
black, right? And I've never really seen anybody really talk about it. on B Mats for people to know is like those type of people online. Uh, this is a group of people, and this is a literal phrase that they like to use. It's like a catchphrase: "Black men are trash," and they'll use it. Like for example, there was one of them who works for MSNBC. It's probably one of the highest level B Mats I've ever seen. But after um, Serena Williams uh, lost the title. Uh, arguably on, uh, due to some terrible calls made by a white Hispanic uh, ref. Uh, this BMAT at MSNBC, this uh, black men are trashed uh, feminist, does this long thread talking about how black men are to blame, like straight black, like Venus, Venus Williams had to deal with stereotypes um, thanks to her black exes and you know, it took the love. Serena Williams. Yes, yeah, Serena Williams. And it took... Um, have I been seeing Venus all, to, all this time? I don't think so. I think just this one time you did. Okay. Um. Yeah, so... um, You remember this tweet, right, Right, Mike? Yeah, yes, I, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she, um... Yeah, she went on a whole little... Oh, I mean... A lot of people took her to task about it, but she went on this whole thing about yeah about all the all the black men that did did Serena wrong, and now she's got a a white king, and we have to deal with it. it, it yeah, but what what she was also saying, what she was also saying was that she had to deal with the. She mentioned that they were abusing her, right, and that yeah. that she and and that they were that because they bought into and perpetuated stereotypes, stereotypes about her. So so he was kind of trying. She was kind of trying to imply that the stereotypes that Serena Williams is dealing with now somehow created or something perpetuated by black men, by, by, but, but particularly her black exes, and yeah. then somehow that was. Um, what caused so that pushed her into the white man's arms no but no but not just that how it connects to the match that she lost like those negative stereotypes uh, caused her to get those calls you know what i just didn't get that oh okay i just can see damn i didn't see that she made that connection because it's so ridiculous Dude, it's so i just ri thought she was coming out of thin air with some bullshit oh uh, you know well, at, at, at a time when this was going on i didn't think that she was trying oh to, see see oh, wow. see, see my take but you know what too i was looking at previous tweets that she did so that might have caused me to make that jumping connection because previous tweets she was talking about how what happens to serena happens on a micro level to all black women because of these negative stereotypes that people believe about them but then in a later tweet that same day she was talking about how these exes created this kind of stereotype and she needed a white guy to um rescue her it made me think that she was trying to say like those same stereotypes that these uh black men you know for example a similar argument um when don imus said nappy headed hoes and everything um mm -hmm. oprah didn't have on any white supremacists or anything but her idea for a show to deal with it was to have a bunch of black men come on uh particularly rappers and take them to task and say that it's because of rap songs that i right. said nappy headed hoes because they made it they made it um okay to disrespect black women so these white men who never ever disrespect the black women before you know because one thing everybody knows this is something uh for foreign listeners who don't live in america because you, you might not know this about america but white people always look for black people to give them cues on how to treat black people like white people they never treat black people bad unless they see a black person treat a black person bad first otherwise they hold doors for us and you know they hug us and hell call they gave us free jobs for 300 years right yeah yeah exactly room and like, board like, and everything. like room and board and then darn discipline one black guy used Jesus? one black guy used the n-word first on another black guy and they're like what's this word <laughs> and he's like well he, if he's using it then 
I'm guessing it's okay to use and I'm going to use it right now, uh, nigger, you know, and then, and then, so, so it's part of the American tradition. So, yeah. So likewise, like Imus, you know, when he heard rap, he was like, this is the way to go. I never thought of disrespecting black women before. No white man has, but this rap music telling me it's okay to do. And for foreign listeners, white men just in general always follow their cues from black men. Whatever black men do, yeah. they've got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So I know since that since that uh, show, it's become like a trope. Like when Daniel Holtzclaw, the half white, half Asian cop, was uh, convicted of raping all those uh, black women, the day of the verdict. Uh, all these B mats and a lot of them like prominent, like you know, writers and stuff. I, yeah, I saw that. Magazines you would know, like Huffington Post and Daily Beast and BuzzFeed, you know, like these aren't just like crackpots. Well, they are crackpots, but they're highly placed crackpots. They yeah. were saying that uh, it was due to black men that uh, this half white, half Asian cop raped all the black women because they communicated through rap that uh, it was devalued. So this this trope kind of recycles all the time and between that and her earlier tweets that's why i thought that you know she was making that that jump about these these stereotypes perpetuated by the black men are what caused the um the referee to make those calls against uh serena it was it was it was very interesting i don't get it but basically yeah, and, and it seems like i know a lot of times it seems like we always get on the, on these particular types of uh, of, of black women but like you just pointed out a lot of them are placed in uh, you know, uh, observable positions and, and influential positions at major uh, 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 publications and, uh, you know, media outlets. And they got, you know, higher visibility, which is why, you know, maybe some of the black men that do trafficking and those stereotypes, which were created by white supremacists, we don't get on them as much because like they just they're just, you know, they're howling in the wind in some corner of Twitter. They're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't nobody. Nobody's putting them, you know, you know nobody's getting an article written by them in Huffington Post or the group yeah. or whatever. But um, going back to the, to the HAPA site, yeah, they, they talk about all types of stuff. And then when you go to... But but the reason I brought them up, sorry, there's a reason why I brought them up. Yeah. I just want to say it wasn't out of the thin air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's going to get to it right about. But what I was thinking is, okay, say like this woman or, or a darker one, right, was to have a child with a white guy. And that child just looked like just a light-skinned black guy. He didn't look biracial. Because some biracial people come out like this. Some biracial people just look like yeah. light-skinned black guys. It's not all of them look like, you know, Northwest or something. You know, sometimes they just they just look like a light-skinned black person. You want to know they're, they're biracial yeah. until, like, uh, they tell you. Like, what yeah. happens when they get, like, a, a son? I would love to um, kind of know that. But I think what makes it different with the uh, Hapas, it's been going on, like, a lot longer. So and a lot more widespread, especially those foreign countries where a lot of like um, military people were stationed. There were like generations, and like you know, like in Vietnam and different parts of Asia. Like there's like more of a um, easily observable like track record. Where I think here it's different. Like I don't think we have the same because Asian women have been getting with white men for like a long time. But uh, I feel like black women and white men hasn't had that same traction. And then um, I don't know. I, I'm just saying that I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen um, a black site with that level of uh, scrutiny and stuff. But I also think like Americans would feel weird about it, whether black or white. As in, they'd be like, you're "Never supposed to talk about people like that." Or, "Wow, you're reducing." Cause I know, say in general, if if I talk with generalities about something, yeah. a lot of people be like, "Well, maybe they're just human," you know? They'll be like, uh, "Like, like Americans are very kind of averse to openly um, doing that, like just 
kind of picking apart things like that. Like, uh, if you say, like, maybe in stand-up comedy is the only place you can get away with saying, like, well, you know, men are like this, but women are like that. And the black people are like this, but, like, white people are like that. But picture we do it outside of a stand-up comedy stage. Like, you just write, yeah. and I notice black people tend to do this when they, the only people who are willing to do that are just straight-up white supremacists, you know? Like, they'll yeah. be like, you ever, they'll say crazy things. Like, you ever notice, like, you know, black people, they walk heavier in their left foot. Like when you go, when you go on white supremacy websites, they just say they become the weirdest, different, make up the craziest things. But in polite society, like, you just don't do that. You don't try to break down. And I and I just noticed like uh, not just with the Happers boy, but just even with like like Asian YouTube. These guys called the Fung Brothers, and there's some other ones like East meets West. There's all these YouTube channels, and these do nothing but break down Asian. I don't know who they're breaking them down for. If it's for each other or for other people, but they'll be like East Coast Asians versus West Coast Asians, and they'll just run down a whole laundry list. And they'll be like North California Asians versus Southern California Asians, and then they'll bring a Southern California Asian and a North California Asian, and they'll both run down the list. Mm. Like uh, I should put some of them in the in the, in the show notes. I like endlessly fascinating and i'm like that'd be a really interesting thing to have like black people don't really do that like this whole caribbean versus african versus african-american thing is so new we don't even have a vocabulary for it you know yeah and you know what i saw today on twitter yeah nigerians and kenyans going at it yeah and uh, a lot of us don't understand that stuff like i was like holy shit yeah just, I, I don't understand yeah i don't understand oh, oh uh i had a i had a cab driver tonight he was nigerian and it was something about the 12 or so tribes of Nigeria, and he was Igbo, and he was telling me he was telling me all the different beefs and beliefs and values of each tribe, and I just kind of um, made a giant culture called Nigeria in my head, and it didn't really yeah. occur to me. I think there's just a bunch of tribes just kind of lumped together by the British and called the country. Yeah, they still like believe in those tribes, and it was like endlessly fascinating. And I'm like, this would be an interesting like YouTube video, and I feel like. Um, Asian YouTube just has like a ton of those. It's endlessly like it's kind of like influenced my thoughts on this show, like what this show could uh, could be, and and um, I think it's been been um, an interesting influence, like a, like a back and forth, and I think that's why uh, the shows mesh kind of well. That Plan A show and this show. Yeah, you were you were you were you know you faded right in with those guys. Yeah, but it's it's and the lady and the lady she was mighty quiet, but she was there. Yeah, yeah, but um. There was something. There was a reason. Oh yeah, we're talking about that episode was pretty good. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. But you know what else was pretty good was. Oh, here's a theory I have. This is we have no set topic today. I'm sure you can tell already. Um, there's this book called Capitalist Realism, right? Capitalist uh, Realism. Yeah, it's by this guy called Mark Fisher. The guy, um, brilliant guy, great writer. Uh, he wrote something that kind of pre predicted or discussed like the rise of like these hardcore like social justice warriors. It was called like exiting the vampire castle. He called it the vampire castle, like that space online where everyone's just kind of gutter snapping at each other for not being woke enough and <laughs> kind of expecting people like to self-flagellate or whatever. And <laughs> that's a real, it's a real thing, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. He made up in the book. Yeah, well, he he termed it like the vampire castle. It was a very good essay, but he had a book called Capitalist Realism, and the full name of the book is Capitalist Realism. Is there no alternative? And the guy sadly ended up uh, killing himself because um, if not, he would have been one of the first guests I would have ever had in the show. But uh, let's see if I could break this down because I haven't actually read the book. I've read everything about the book. I own the book. It's very short. I just haven't read it, but I read a bunch of his articles and. I've seen him like discuss the book's thesis, but um, what what 
this is is that um we're so ingrained in this idea of capitalism that we can't think of a world outside of capitalism like we can't imagine anything else or everything we think of has to be filtered through that lens like well, i guess you can't really argue with that yeah so it's like we don't even have the imagination to imagine a world without uh capitalism or solutions outside of capitalism because it's just um yeah. it's, it's just all we known all, all we could think of so the sentence that people bring up the most from the book is um it is easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. After 1989, capitalism successfully presented itself as the only realistic political economic system. A, a situation that the bank crisis of 2008, far from ending, actually um, compounded. So you're saying especially once the Soviet Union died, now just the whole world is capitalist. It's just everything is judged on how capitalist are you. You know, right. you're underdeveloped if you're less capitalist and the other place yeah everything is about capitalism and you know what i was thinking like there should be another term like that but for black pathology like black pathology realism or maybe you call it moynihan realism but this idea like for as long as people can remember like the black part of town has always been like the fucked up part of town like the black family has always been like you know fucked up like black people have always been in some kind of like as long as uh there's been like in america black people have always been in some kind of greater confinement whether it was slavery chains or um chain gangs or just penitentiary penitentiary there's always been like a ridiculous amount of black people in captivity since america they just kind of changed the optics of it like like what's really different f about a big prison industrial complex uh that so many black people have been in in some shape or form even if not all at once uh or a chain chain gangs or slavery i mean there's always been that black neighbors always had disproportionate crime less like safety that there's the same thing going on with black tangle of pathology what moynihan called a tangle of pathology like it's easier for people to imagine the end of the world than um the end of black pathology like people literally like, can't even imagine it like when politics when politicians come up with solutions or activists ask for things everybody just always thinks of managing it like how can we get it manageable like how can we want to get it three times we the can't way possibly get rid of it we just gonna have to you know, yeah treat it a little bit and see if we can yeah how, how can we get it a little to, bit more functional yeah exactly how can we get it a little more tolerable how can we get it to the, to its usual normal like, there's a black normal and a white normal if the white normal ever hit the level of the black normal then then it's an emergency it the fan yeah but the but the black normal is fine it's when it's when they're like at five times the white murder rate instead of three times the white murder rate you know now we really have something to worry about you know what i mean like 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 oh they're only killing each other at this rate okay you're doing a good job as the chief of police you know like you have the crime rate in the black community down to just uh double the double the white community you know so like that's how people think it's just so normal i'm thinking that's a big reason why both white people and a certain type of black person can't really compare anything like when um when i was on twitter and i was making a point and i made it in the lesbian show we did about how people are cherry cherry picking dead black lesbians or dead black trans and calling them epidemics but they're in neighborhoods that have always had black people killed all the time like uh there was one about this black trans epidemic that i was tweeting about last month and this black guy was talking about this black trans epidemic is out of control and it was four trans people across america they weren't even in the same area and there were areas like this area of st louis which is like two of the places were in the top 20 murder capitals 
mm-hmm. of America. Yeah. Right? One of them was a South Side Chicago. So I'm like, you know how many black people, like just by sheer numbers of black people that die in those places, you could probably create a black epidemic of anything. Like it's the most black chefs yeah, who have exactly. died. It's the most, most black plumbers, the most black factory workers. Yeah, because it's just the most black people. Like there's when they have that many black people, of course, like what you have to do, which nobody's bothering to do because nobody cares, is you have to say, okay, there's this much uh, disproportionate black death here. Is the level of black death, uh, is the level of black trans death bad even for that level so if that so if like the black male level is three times the um is three times the white rate this black trans thing is actually five times what the population you know like first let's figure out how many black men are there in existence in this area how many black trans people are there in existence in this area how many black women are there in existence in this area okay now which one has the biggest proportion like okay one quarter of the black men got i'm just, I'm just making round easy numbers one quarter of the black men got killed this year but one third of the existing trans got killed oh so that means that even within epidemic system there's an epidemic within the epidemic but they don't even bother to do that what they do is they just render all the black death invisible and i was realizing it's it's um black pathology realism like it's, it's become invisible to them it has to be at five like black people are supposed to die this is what they do they just die they just <laughs> kill each other they just have a precarious existence you're just supposed to manage it like you know but trans like they can imagine an end to transphobia they actually have the tools to imagine it in a way that they can't for so when i was seeing this this uh thread i had this thread where i was saying black people dying non-stop here do you realize the amount of erasure and audacity it takes to just pick out of you have to sift through this pile of bodies to just pluck out a trans person in all these high crime areas and then Create it, create it. Literally, epidemic. a needle in a haystack. Like, yeah, and then a lot of people got, got like mad at me, and they were like, and they were like, um, one one guy called me, um, one guy called me, um, transphobic. I'm sure. Yeah, got transphobic, but he's gonna call me Jesse Singal, who's this uh, writer at, <laughs> at New York in New York Magazine, who writes these um, heinous things about trans people as far as uh what you say you, you wrote it uh in new york magazine well, well these things are kind of the kind of their articles that kind of gaslight them and stuff and it kind of casts a lot of doubt on things that they claim to experience and and yeah people were acting like you know real funny and they were saying what but what, what they were saying was interesting they were saying and i would say you know explain that why are you calling me just a single it goes you know it's it's just weird that you would um that you would um, just see see some crimes and then say, oh, declare it can't be because they can't be dying because they're trans. And I said, no, nobody said that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I didn't say they can't be. I'm saying that it's unproven. Like each of those murders, they didn't have a suspect. I'm like, it's unproven. So you can't assume that um, they're not, you, you just can't assume that um, it's because they're trans if you don't know what happened. But they were, they were like, this was, this was interesting. Some other people were like, "Yeah, but what you're what you're doing is like when um a, a a cop shoots a black person and someone says there has to be a uh, non-racial reason for why they got shot. Like you're doing that to um trans people when you say I don't think this is um I don't think it's proven that this is this is happening because they're trans, right? Now what was fascinating about when they said that to me, right, was when this article comes out and says there's a trans epidemic these people are dying because um of this um black trans murder epidemic by them saying that they're the ones who actually did that first because they're the ones who are saying 
this can't just be because they're black. It has to be yeah. because and they demand proof of you. To, to, if you just say, "Well, that might not be the reason," well, what's your proof? Well, what's your proof that it is? Well, yeah, but see, that's that's what that's what's interesting. That they didn't see it when it was done in reverse, like which is what this article. But it's just kind of the realism, like, well, black people are supposed to die. Like, right. like I don't think, oh, I don't think yeah. they realize they internalize that frame. They, they don't realize mm. that it's so normal to them that you know it's like, well. It's not an epidemic. It's, it's what does a black death epidemic look like? Because to me, this is like black normalcy. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's really interesting. I I just been noticing that like a lot of times people will just step over something that was done to black people to accuse you of doing it yourself to someone else, and they don't even realize that like, you know that like it was fascinating to me that that there was that I was what I what I said to the person who told me that who said what you're doing is um denying something is racial i'm like no actually the person who's doing that the person who's doing the closer analogy to what you just said is the person who looks at this trans person dying and saying it can't just be because they're black it has to be something else like you know but they didn't even think about it that way because uh you need an extra burden of proof when you're saying something is uh bad for black people bad by black standards you know and i think a lot of black people i mean if you think this is a weird theory like you know you could push back on it i uh have i lost you no i'm here bro. okay cool yeah yeah no i'm saying like uh yeah i mean just just tell me what you think about that because like, cause i just find that just, just really interesting how how much it takes for people to kind of uh that people have given up on getting getting rid of it like like it's always just considered just keep it just a manageable mess. Well, yeah, I, you know, with uh, I mean, to a certain extent, with the, with the, all of it, you know, when you get to talking about like these uh, distinct identities and whatnot, you know, people just get so wrapped up in their particular, yeah, you know, their particular identity that they'll just reject, you know, anything that contradicts it in any kind of way. They're just so in their like tunnel vision with this trans thing in this particular instance. They're just so tunnel vision with it that it's, you but, know, that's but, all they can see. But, but, but you know what I think, though? I think people just have an optimism for just about anything except black people. Because look at things people are asking for now. Like, there were things that I thought would never happen in my lifetime. And it's like, uh, they're all happening. Like, you know, people are... P- People are pushing for Medicare for all, like single payer. I, th- right. I thought America would never even, like, mm. they won't entertain anything before thinking of, like, like people, pe- to- people, to- people are, like, even though this book is called Capitalist Realism and people, people, one of the sentences from the book is people can easily imagine the end of the world easier than they can imagine the end of capitalism. Even despite that sentence, I now see people openly talking about we have to get rid of capitalism. Remember that thread we were looking yeah. at where people were talking about you can't yeah. get rid of racism without getting rid of capitalism? Like Exactly. So if capitalism is unrealis- unrealistic, the fact that people are saying that you need to get rid of capitalism first before you get rid mm-hmm. of racism shows that uh, people think even ra- racism is even harder to get rid of than capitalism. That's a, even even un, un, more unfathomable end than capitalism. Yeah, it's, they just they just they just uh, content with the fact, or maybe not content with the fact, but they just uh, you know succumb to the fact that we're never going to get rid of racism. Racism likely, you know, most likely we won't, but we definitely yeah. need to get rid of capitalism first to even have a shot. Yeah, at getting yeah, rid of cap- at racism. Exa- exactly. Uh, look, which I don't understand. You know, I don't understand it. I don't know if it's. I don't. You know, I would like to hear somebody you know flesh that out a little bit more. Why they think the ending of capitalism would be like the precursor what, uh, to any racism. What I would say is this, whether it's true or not, I will say the people who 
disagree with it and agree with it well for example i said an argument happening there's one group that was saying getting rid of capitalism is the first step and it's a necessary step in getting rid of racism and the other group says no even if you get rid of capitalism racism still has its problems like when the new deal happened and they had those unions and all these programs they blocked out black people but what both of them happen i lean i lean more towards that argument yeah but what happens is both sides regardless both have accepted the premise that capitalism is going first Mm. you know like like one group just this disagree on whether it's going to end racism when it does go it it just shows the extent to which they kind of take it as a given that that the racism is still going to be here regardless and so yeah the one the one thing that never crosses either of mine is um really let's just get rid of racism and then um, let's just get. Let, I, you know, I think a lot of times those those discussions just. I mean, it's it, it comes down to a definition of terms. I guess what you're gonna call racism. Yeah, the way it seemed to go to me. That's a good point. You gotta define the terms. But the way it seemed to go to me was the the socialists were saying that uh, if you get you can get rid of racism, but you just have to get rid of capitalism first. The other groups were saying racism is not gonna go away or capitalism. Which. But, you know, um, but neither seem to think that you can, you know, just get rid of racism first, and uh, that that it, 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 it was just weird. I don't know. I did see somebody say that as as a, as a retort to the uh, to the to the one tweet that said, uh, you know, to get rid of cap- racism, you got to get rid of capitalism first, and he just reversed it. He said, to get rid of capitalism, you got to get rid of racism first. That's it. That's that's right. good because I don't see enough of that, and and that's a very hopeful thinker. Like. Like it's it's yeah, but he didn't really get he didn't really go into it either though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, a lot of things that the like look at what an activist asked for. Like these socialists are asking for like these crazy minimum wages and yeah, and fifteen dollar minimum wage, free Medicare, college, free college. Free, they free want, college, uh, erase all um student loan that like like Ocasio get rid of the borders and like like uh yeah get rid of borders like they, they can see the end of borders you know they could be like uh yeah. hey you know the you know these things that we just took for granted i mean the end of communism like they can end everything but when it's time to make promises to black people or just to ask for things when black people like like what do black people ask for like, oh. no, black people ask for like hey just can you just kill us less can can you just have the cops <laughs> just you know yeah ask, i don't know about that i mean we could you can't police minds and hearts man yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you just like stop acquitting everybody that kills a black person with the most cockamamie story? Mm, I don't know if you can do that. That's you're, you're talking crazy. We have yeah. these things take time. Like like that guy, uh, was it Beto? Whatever. What's what's his name? That that one that politician about? that gave that speech. He's running against Ted Cruz. Oh excuse me. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember his name, but I know he's talking uh, about. But he gave this speech, and it was like the most mealy. It was both. It was the most wishy-washy speech. It was like talking about like non-violence and change is slow, and we're trying, and you know, white privilege and stuff. And it's like this is the most non-promise. Like, like there's, there's like no promise here. And everybody was praising him to high heavens. He didn't have any solutions okay. for anything he was saying, and. Yeah. You know, well, you know, Democrats have become the party of low expectations nowadays. It's just look, just show up and and, yeah. and and just and just demand that we vote for try to shame black people and other people. And but people, people are now might, pushing the Democrats. Know, leftists. Yeah, but the leftists are now pushing the Democrats to do all types of. Of stuff, so somebody's at least holding their feet to yeah. the fire on the class stuff, yeah, which is a good thing. It's like they're pulling them, you know, back. They're pulling them out of the aisle. These guys are trying to reach across the aisle and have been pulled into it, and they're just like, "Hey, get back over here," you know. Yeah, but they gotta, 
They have to. But when you compare that to um, the Democrats on race, nobody's pushing them like that. People are just like, um, well, Trump's coming. We just have to get Hillary in there. Well, what's Hillary going to offer? Like, <laughs> like, like socialists are telling Hillary, you know, Medicare She's for the all. Trump. What do you mean? That's all she has to bring. Yeah, people, like socialists are telling Hillary, like, we want push for Medicare for all. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. Black people are just like, you know, hey, Trump's coming. Uh, oh, wait, Hillary has black friends or she doesn't, she doesn't like yeah. say racist things. Like, that's pretty much. She keeps hot sauce in her purse. She knows how to dance the wobble with uh, Roland Martin, you know. Yeah, it, that's that's what they, they give us songs and dances. Oh yeah, it's called Beto O'Rourke. Same thing happened. Anne Hathaway said something about white privilege, and everyone was going crazy, saying yeah. how you know she's invited. Oh, they were to tripping all out. over themselves. But yeah, Beto. Excuse I think me. it was Beto O'Rourke's <laughs> speech about Kaepernick. He was the he was the uh, politician that said something about NFL players kneeling. This this is the speech. Hopefully the full mess. Let me see if I could get it going. As usual, I have no signal. <laughs> Okay, here we go. I do come from a family of veterans. And, and you know, you mentioned football season earlier. I kind of wanted to know how, you, how disrespectful it is. Like you have the NFL players kneeling during the national anthems. I wanted to know if you found that disrespectful to our country, to our veterans, and anybody related to that. It just I find it incredibly frustrating that people seem to be okay with that. And I would just like to hear your input. Thank you. Thanks for... Did you hear that so far? Okay, yeah. cool. Great question. Again, on a really tough issue that if we don't talk about is not going to get better. The question is, how do you feel about NFL players who take a knee during the national anthem? And is it disrespectful to this country, to the flag, to certain... Now, first off, he's stalling for time because... Yeah, he's over there thinking. Yeah, so, so he's, he's like, like, well, the question was is, and he's like, think, 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 what can you say? You can't say anything tonight. No, he is stalling. He's going to tell you a goddamn lie. That's what... When, you know, when he say, hey... Were you in the cookie jar? Was I in the cookie jar? Was I in the cookie jar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's repeating the question for the class. Like, everybody heard the question very clearly. The guy had a microphone. He had the same microphone. First of all, that's a good question. What she just asked was, was I in the cookie jar and ate the last uh, macaroon? That's a very good question because, you know... I love macaroons and she loves macaroons. Yeah, and while, while he's repeating the question, he's using it to buy time to think of an answer. But, but let's, let's keep going. Service members who are right there tonight, where it is tonight in Afghanistan, and those former service members, retirees, still and who are here with us today. Thank you each for your service. <laughs> he's excited to thank all the different veterans. He's like, ask, you know, it's like shouting out to the city you're in when you're a stand-up comic. Like, you know, hey, is Minneapolis in the house? You know, like, yeah. Like, yeah, all the fine ladies. Yeah, clap. yeah, exactly. Girls, y'all look so good. Uh, fellas, fellas, y'all in the house. Yeah, he's just stalling okay. like crazy. Okay, okay, let's go. Um, my my short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. Here's my my longer answer. But I'm gonna try to try to make sure that I can... see the clapping. He's getting nervous. See, he's like the size of no clap yet. Because if, if uh oh uh oh hold on wait a minute. let me be walking back. Because if they accept, if they accept <laughs> the clapping too eagerly and he doesn't like. Reading in, yeah. the other people can be like, "Oh, so he's on uh, the Negro side, you know." So he's he's trying to st- stem the clapping <laughs> right away. Like, don't get carried away yet. Now it's time to uh, butter up the other side too. He looks really nervous. Reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree on this issue. Let's begin there. And- see, see, first of all, hmm. what does that mean? Hmm. Reasonable people can disagree. So reasonable people can. Uh, say that he's disrespecting the military when he's clearly said a million times he's not like the whole reason for putting the knee down is the whole reason for putting the knee down is 
to to respect the military. Like like he because he he spoke to a military veteran who said, well, maybe this is a better way to get your message across, and at the same time not come across as disrespecting the flag. And you know he he, he wholeheartedly embraced that man's point of view and began that, to take that's, a what, knee. that's what the exactly because that's the funny thing. He was just sitting down before, and the military <laughs> guy advised him, hey, if you do the knee, then people will know that you, you're against like the flag, but you're also paying respect to the veterans so so on that level reasonable people can't disagree you have to be especially unreasonable to keep misconstruing it on to disagree to, 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 to make a yeah, lie yeah. you know it's not reasonable to lie on somebody yeah it's, it's like one group says the sky is blue the other one says the sky is green and then to placate boy say reasonable people can disagree because no it's i mean well he says this guy is green but he's obviously a smart person okay so we don't want to take that away from him. He's a smart, rational, yeah, yeah. person. So we gotta understand maybe something's wrong with his eyes as and to why. You know, or maybe you can maybe you don't have to put the blueness in his face. You don't have to say, hey, this guy is blue. You know it's blue. You don't and have also to for pedant for pedantic people, because you know it's gonna be some somebody's gonna say, Well, actually, uh to non humanize the sky is green, <laughs> but because of how the ozone and the sun passes through the layers, it appears blue to the naked eye. Listen, I don't know if it's really green, but to the average <laughs> eye, it looks blue. So just you know, so just, just <laughs> well, hey, this yeah, 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 exactly. You're going to, go, it's not the you're going to uh, Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson if you want to read Somebody's always going to come through with that. <laughs> but on the other level, are you saying reasonable people can disagree that black people are getting shot by cops and the cops are getting acquitted? Like, you know, like, is that not true? Like, like, even if you bring up like the black on black crime thing, when those guys get caught, they're not yeah. getting like blatantly acquitted. Like, there's not like the state actually actively like you know or the juries actively like working to get these guys like like the black on black criminals nobody's working to get them off each and every time right, like, no. when they get caught they get thrown oh. and and nobody's nobody's going nobody's seeking out autographs and contributing to their uh you know paypals or go oh yeah yeah all those cops are getting auctioning off their you know murder weapons and yeah those not, cops are know? like cashing in on um GoFundMe's and, and whatever, yeah, and and the guests of honors are like gun shows and stuff, like like Zimmerman, who's not who's yeah. not a cop, but like even private civilians get get to be deputized. deputized. The yeah, so reasonable people can't, you know, disagree. But okay, let's keep going. And it makes them no less American to come down on a different conclusion on this issue, right? Um, you can feel as a young man does, you can feel as I do. You're every bit as American. This is the most non-committal mealy mouth wishy-washy thing ever he's just basically kissed everybody's ass that's so typical that's yeah. so typical of them all the same um but i'm reminded somebody really politicians the in taylor branch book um you did um parting the waters in the king years and in martin luther king book, and uh -huh. find out what dr king and this non-violent peaceful movement just you think he's saying non-violent peaceful <laughs> he, he wants to reassure the guy I'm with you. I don't. See, it's not like he's paying respect to the black people, but th that's a message to send to that guy. Well, it's like there's two different two groups are hearing two different things at, in, in one message. Yeah, but, but also he keeps saying, "Listen, peaceful, nonviolent, peaceful." He keeps saying it over and over. He said, "Listen, I'm with yeah. you. I don't want a race war. I want to keep the darkies in their place." Like, like, because why does he keep saying uh, peaceful? Why not also throw in the Black Panthers? Just talk about every Freedom Friday. Why does he? Uh, I'll, I'll back it up just a little bit. Because I want to play it again. The King years. And, and when you read that book and find out what Dr. King and this nonviolent, peaceful movement to... And when you keep seeing how he keeps emphasizing visually with his finger, he really wants to drive that home, man. 
it's I think it's a double thing. He wants the black people to remember, look, please be non-violent. And he wants that yeah. Kaepernick. Like he, yeah, he wants an anti-Kaepernick guy to be like, listen, I want these black people subjugated the same way you do. I want them to not be uh, violent. He's not telling them to do whatever it takes. He's telling them specifically, you know, and, and that's something I think is just like kind of bone that he's throwing the guy who asked that question. Like, uh, because what that guy sees when he sees Kaepernick kneeling and being insubordinate, he sees what if all black people get insubordinate? What if all black people, if black people will even turn down millions of dollars, then what's the guy who has nothing to lose gonna go for? What he sees when he sees Kaepernick, he sees a violent uprising. That's what that white genocide shit is. Like, when they yeah. say white, like, like, these races are saying white <laughs> genocide. They actually think that every single one of these is one step closer to when black people start acting like white people. Because when white people get subjugated, they want, you know, blood, you know, yeah. uh, they, you know, and by, right, he's subtly answering the Kaepernick question. In a way that satisfies that guy, because as a white guy, he knows what that guy's fear is. So that's why, while he's acting like he's disagreeing with the guy, he's actually reassuring the guy. But I keep saying, uh, when, when the guy says, what about Kaepernick? The coded thing is, is there a race war coming? What are you going to do about it? These niggers are going to get violent. So his response is acting like, well, I agree with Kaepernick. We have to keep, but we'll keep everything non-violent. Like, you know, so he's actually answering the guy. You, you see what I'm trying to say there? Like, yeah. Yeah, I I, I civil rights for their fellow americans the challenges that they face those who died see he put out they didn't even get civil rights so he says you see what he says that they didn't even get full civil rights but shouldn't that be a failure but yeah that's that, so that's that black yeah, pe- not, not only a failure in in achieving goals a, a failure in the method like like pictures are jewish people in the holocaust and he said they didn't succeed would anybody praise people who didn't succeed in getting rid of the nazis if they said you know they fought the nazis and you know they didn't get rid of them, but the Nazis we have now are a lot nicer. Now the Nazis only kill half of them. They, the, the, I mean, that's basically yeah, analogous to what they're saying. Yeah, especially what he's saying, but that's supposed to be a win because you're black. It should be so much worse for you. You know, like, like black people still think at least we're not slaves. Like, we don't like to say it out loud, but I think a lot of us really think that, that right. way. You know? And, yeah. Well, Malcolm tried to tell you about the progress yeah. and, you know, taking a knife a half inch out versus you know it's no progress at yeah, all yeah and and this guy he know he thinks like that and he knows other black people think like that and so you know what the yeah. thing i always find like i don't even even from the most well-meaning white people like referring to martin martin luther king and you know a guy who you know with white supremacist murder you know and, and trying to use him as a pillar an example of what everybody should be doing and following like even you're so great why y'all yeah, yeah it's true and also why are you if he was not well i feel he was great but if y'all felt he was that great if he was non-violent and he was shot because white people were violent then why why is everyone always preaching to the black people to be non-violent they should be preaching to white people to be non-violent like why do these (laughs) non-violent things not go to white people white people are the ones who always kill the non-violent you know that that'll be like if i keep telling my kid don't fight and then each time he goes to the schoolyard, a different kid in, in that schoolyard, a schoolyard full of bullies, just punches him in the face. And each time I, I keep yelling at him not to fight, you're doing the right thing. Like, sooner or later, someone just tell the other kid, hey, maybe you shouldn't fight either. Like, you know, it's not, it, it's very weird that the non-violent speeches don't go to the uh, people who keep, yeah, you're killing like the non-violent people. It's like, like he's saying, you did a good job. Like, like Martin Luther King is non-violent. He gets killed by a violent white guy. And then what they do is they congratulate him for being non-violent. Goes, I know I know that wasn't easy to get killed. You did a good job. You know, it's, it's very, very bizarre. But uh, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny about that? 
you know, you know the brother that got killed down there by the uh, cop, got murdered down there by the cop in Dallas. Gene. Uh, uh, oh Oka. yeah, yeah. You know both of yeah. both of them. Um, you know the funny thing was there was a Twitter thread the other day, and, and um, I guess Dana Loesch had said maybe if the brother had a uh, you know a legally registered firearm, you know this might be a different scenario. And then you know right on cue. A bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of people coming in. Well, uh, what are you saying that he should be killing cops? And wait a minute, you know, they just say, oh, they want to pump the brakes real quick. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. It's kind of, it's got, it it's kind of like along those same lines to me. It's like where they were. They no, hold on, wait a minute. No, your response shouldn't be violence in the face of violence. That's not for you to do. You know. Yeah, it's very, very, very bizarre. Um, yeah, there's only like two minutes left. Let's, let's just finish this up. <laughs> in Philadelphia. <laughs> Mississippi. I like to digress. Oh no, I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about doing two minutes left in this clip. Like, like, I just want to finish it. Civil rights for their fellow Americans. The Actually, I'm gonna back that up because I love that sentence. When he says like, even though they didn't succeed, and, and he says it like a very casual side, even though they didn't succeed in actually getting equal treatment, you know, for um black people, like it's just amazing. Like again, like like any any other group, I would not even see that even passing as something to celebrate. But the young man does, you can feel as I do. You're every bit as American, all the same. Um, I went back a little too far. Somebody mentioned reading the the Taylor Branch book. Um, you did. Um, parting the waters in the King years, and and when you read that book, find out what Dr. King and this nonviolent, peaceful movement to secure better because they didn't get full civil rights for their fellow Americans. The challenges that they faced, those who died in Philadelphia, Mississippi, for the crime of trying to be a man, trying to be a woman in this country. Um, the, the young girls who died in the church bombing, um, those who were beaten within an inch of their life crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge. He's just playing the greatest hits. The, like he knows that yeah. we have nostalgia for these things. So he's just bringing up, like, okay, so yeah, you just named all these iconic civil rights moments. What does that have to do with helping black people now? Like you know, it, it's it's it would be like. So he didn't mention black people. He was talking about. Fellow oh yeah, Americans. but 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 those milestones, <laughs> like like the Pettit Bridge and all those things, were like you know. But those were for them, those were for, for, for civil rights for the fellow Americans. They oh, that's true because because he actually doesn't say black people yet. He doesn't say black people at all in this speech. At, at so far, I don't know if it comes up, which is because he knows that's a trigger word. He will lose this guy if he says black people. Yeah, yeah, he's you can't isolate. I mean, even hell, you lose half the black. That's people true, because because even liberals and black people, they don't like to say black people. Black people always say POC now, people of color, or they say blacks and Hispanics, or blacks and Native Americans, or um, or, or whatever. Just the fact that it's called civil rights and not black rights, which I which I brought up in the past. The fact that we can't even call it black rights right. because we know it'll uh trigger people uh to even hear that. So it's, it's funny. He's, he's giving a speech about black people without saying black people, and he's nervous. He's trying to make sure he doesn't lose anybody in the room. And it's funny that this is being viewed as such a principal stand, but it shows how low to stay, how, how much black patho pathology realism is. Like it's, black people are so considered to just be naturally like debased and so low expectations that this is considered like a, like a good speech. It's like very natural in the way it wouldn't be for anybody else. In Selma, Alabama with John Selma. Lewis. John Lewis, um, all the greatest hits. the face, spat upon, dragged out by their collar. We've seen the at movies. the Woolworth lunch counter for sitting <laughs> with white people at the same lunch counter in the same country where their fathers may have bled the same blood on the battlefield. See, what's good about this part is this is stuff that's already been conquered, like segregate. By bringing up past problems that 
they lost on. Yeah. He doesn't have to give any vision for something in the future. It's not like we talk about Medicare for like Medicare for all. Like like in the speech now that being given by a socialist, they they would be talking about what they want now. They wouldn't be like uh, it wouldn't be like uh, Bernie Sanders came out and told his people, "Let me tell you about the New Deal. How great the New Deal was." You know, socialism is great, and we have to keep fighting and doing the fact. Can you remember when Franklin Delano Roosevelt? You know, they used to not be Social Security. You know, they used to not be um, this. They used to not be unemployment insurance and like like he comes out to modern socialists by just bringing up all this stuff that socialists in the past that socialists aren't even him like people wouldn't vote for Bernie sanders They're like okay we know franklin delano roosevelt did that what does it have to do with what you're offering today we want more socialism that's that's a win battle you know he's saying this is a lost battle and i want you to stop and let's just talk about celebrating that like like uh white people don't even celebrate their don't even stop to celebrate their one battles we like stop right they're they're on to the yeah, next one already. We can keep getting pacified with the ones that this guy should have said that we he said that we lost we lost overall. It's 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 nuts. It's uh, Omaha Beach. Yeah, we didn't get full right there. Or anywhere that anyone ever served this country. Um, the freedoms that we have were purchased not just by those in uniform, and they definitely were, but also by those who took their lives into their hands riding those Greyhound buses, the Freedom Riders, in the Deep South in the 1960s. He could have just said, listen, Colin Kaepernick is not disrespecting the troops because this thing was created specifically to respect the troops. Like, is it, is it, that's an actual factual statement. He could just say that. But, in, but even to say that would be a, he can't even tell this guy that he's wrong because even that would be giving the black person too much dignity to, because, because that would be like saying that the white guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, and he believes in I'm white and I say so. So he has to go to, he has to go through this whole speech. Then rather just tell the guy, um, actually that's not disrespecting the flag at all. He, he gives this whole speech about how reasonable people can disagree. And he doesn't say about what go into this long speech that never uses the word black, you know, admit that, um, keep stressing nonviolent, violent over and over again to signal to this guy, not give a single, um, solution to anything. Admit that it's a battle that didn't, that even the people in the past didn't win the one, the one that he's bringing up as an example, yeah. and then sit there and just tell people to just remember all these, uh, Pyrrhic victories and, and losses and all the while through pepper peppering it with praise for the troops to make sure that he has that base covered that you know so it's whatever we're almost done it's like about a minute left that they would be arrested and they were serving time in the mississippi state penitentiary um rosa parks getting from the back of the bus to the front of the bus peaceful non-violent protests including Taking a First of all, that's not even what happened. She didn't go from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. She was in the front of the bus because the rules of Jim Crow was people think black white, black people couldn't sit in the front. They actually could. What happened was uh, when a white person got on, they got preference to go to the front. So if you were a black person, you were in the front. You had to get up and walk to the back, like front. Oh yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know all the notes of the greatest hit, so he just riffs. A little yeah, bit, yeah. You know? Like he just sing whatever. Like, like, like. It, she didn't get up for the, whatever. Okay. <laughs> to point out that black men, He's unarmed, black. black teenagers, unarmed, and black children are being killed at a frightening level right now, including by members of law enforcement. Now, do you see that? They're killing at alarming numbers right now, including members of law enforcement. So what does that mean when he throws in as an afterthought, including? That means that he's actually talking about black-on-black -black crime 
And there's also a cop problem. He says they've been killing horrific rates. Oh, okay. You know what? Very he might subtle, have been, right? You know, and that's the smoothness of it right there. That's Very the smoothness subtle, of right? it right there. Because when he, when, you know, because, you know, a regular black person like myself, who I just was thinking, you know what? Maybe he's thinking like, you know, by like uh, people like Zimmerman, you know, by people like that guy who shot uh, uh, Jordan Russell Davis. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Uh, you know, the old guy that shot the kid outside of his house said he's said he broke in his house the day before. It's a, it's a, there's a bunch of, uh, of, of of killings of unarmed kids and, and, and black people by, you know, non-law enforcement. So, you know, in my mind, that's why yeah. I went with it. But you know what? When you say that, I was like, that was that was real split. Oh, my God. Because because remember, 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 you remember where he is. You know, he he and remember who his question he's answering. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Level right now, including by members of law enforcement, without accountability and without justice. And this problem, as grave as it is, is not going to fix itself. And they're frustrated, Frank. See, that's the part. See, it's not because he brings up the problem, and now and you want to give him credit for that because he for the first three minutes of a four minute speech, he didn't even bother to say black. He finally says black. He says the problem, but he mentions the police part as an afterthought right he just kind of throws it in there he kind of just but then he says and it's not going to fix fix itself picture you said that for any other type of problem picture you said that for anything and you're trying to get these people's votes and you're leading off with uh it's not going to fix itself like who would take that like picture saying like you know hey there's a lot of inequality i'm a, I'm a socialist candidate there's a lot of inequality and it's not going to fix itself but we have to socialists like wait a minute no we want this is how it'll fix itself you do medicare for all you do five for 15 you do x y and z you do uh universal basic income they have like a bunch of things that they that they think can can be done we get yeah. told like hey this is just uh the way it is i know it's tough but we just yeah, we get we get the hope for yeah, sure. Yeah, and and also even your uh, successes that we we trot up in the past to pacify you. Um, sure. I admit they weren't even really successes, you know. But uh, at, le- <laughs> at least he looked good in the suit, dying. You know, he looked very dignified. That ass yep. looking like a pro. Me and those in positions of public trust and power who have been unable to resolve this or bring justice for what has been done and to stop it from continuing to happen in this country. And so non-violently, peacefully. You see, he did it there again. But, but also, look how, look how, look how he described how people like him haven't been able to do anything. Because most people in the big one like like to bring up their failures because it's um looks bad. But this is because it's such an insurmountable problem. It's such a normal state that. It's like saying, hey, I wasn't able to stop this hurricane from destroying the town. It's like people kind of know you couldn't really stop the hurricane from destroying the town. Like, you know, it's a hurricane. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's a force of nature. Yeah. Like, like, just do the best you can. As grave as it's not going to fix itself. And they're frustrated, frankly, with people like me and those in positions of and power unable to. Re- See, all you say is I feel your pain. And we're, and we're so used to being invisible and not listened to. That goes so far with us. Like, just feeling our pain can get you, like, about three terms in office resolve this or bring justice for what has been done and to stop it from continuing to happen in this country and so non-violently peacefully <laughs> while the eyes of this country are watching these games he said that because he says wait a minute i went a little too far that almost sounds like a little too empowering so when you look at the body language, like oh, but remember non-violently peacefully i remember you guy who asked, asked the question I, i'm almost sure i didn't lose you you know they take a knee to bring our attention and our focus to this problem to ensure that we fix it. That is why they are doing it. And I can think of nothing. To ensure we fix it. Fix it how? 
do you have any solutions? Like, yeah, and and people are gonna say, well, T, do you have any solutions? Like, yeah, here's some. Like, uh, okay, prosecute a white person the same way you prosecute a black person that killed a white person. Like, you know, like like just just, just punish them. Like, like it's that simple. Like, if you yeah. kill a black person unarmed, punish them. You know, if you're especially if you're like not even a, a cop, but just a, a deputized a non deputized Yahoo like George Zimmerman, like punish them. Like. Like, like it's that simple. He makes it sound like, like this is like trying to trying to figure out how to make uh how to freeze the sun. Like like it's something crazy. Like you know, like 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 just just uh just 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 punish them. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, exactly. You know, when when those cops got killed, what they do? Like the next day, they come out with this Blue Lives Matter crap. You know, Blue Lives Matter laws. They 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 they, they propose laws to make you know to provide different penalties and stuff like that. You know, they, then they act like they forget how things work when oh, it comes oh, to us. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Law, or, you know, or when those black up. cops uh, killed an unarmed white kid, you're like, reverse Tamir Rice. They got fired yeah. like, right away. It didn't even tell oh, them. Man, they, they can't, man, they arrested them on the scene. Like, oh, hey. Yeah, yeah, they got no coat. pension. They got, they got nothing. There was no GoFundMe for them. Like, they know, they know what to do. Just do that to the white, to the white cops. Yeah, there you go. To peacefully again. Yes, he said peacefully, non-violent, like seven times. It was, it was, it was the whole thing, and he was so nervous, and he just kept trying to just. Yeah. Oh. God. Yeah. <laughs> he peacefully, non-violently takes a knee, and then they get on the field and, and bash Oh my God! The black out. people online were going nuts. <laughs> he was invited to, to some. I know. He knew yeah. who he was talking to. We're so easily uh, uh, pacified, man, and it just pandered to it. And it, it, it's just, you know, I, I saw that when the, when Obama uh, was at the uh, uh, San Emanuel Church, and uh, you know, after Dylan Roof shot those people, and I was just listening to his, I guess you'd call it a eulogy or whatever, but and it was just listening to him talk, and it was just like, wow, you know, that's the hopes and dreams guy right there. It's like nothing, you know, nothing solid at all. It's just, and, and everybody was just clapping and. You know, he's not saying anything. He's not saying what he's gonna do about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, something's got to be done about it. But he's I don't not know even saying that something's got to be done. So much as he's saying, like, like it would be nice or something. He's, he's more saying, he's oh, yeah. saying, shit happens. You know, this is yeah, just like yeah, a like, start. It would be, be nice if something could happen to this, but you know, let's just try to just keep people. It's, it's like hearts and prayers. Like you know, it's, it's, it's like that 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 uses. Amazing. Yeah, he just just chime. Let's chime in with a with, with a with an old Negro. Spirit yeah, I, I wish. Oh, God, I, I wish I could so find bad. the. Um, I don't know how to find it, but I wish I could find all the people who were going crazy online over the speech. It was so nuts. People were going so crazy for the speech. Um, black people and and white liberals, just like how how mm. Beto is Bay and he's he, he's he's a woke Bay and you know he gives he gives me life and you know he's, he's talking about white privilege and he, like you actually did something so so amazing. I could not. I could not even even believe it, and it was the kind of thing anybody else would have. Uh, any other group, if they got a similar speech from a politician, would yeah, uh, they would left a bad taste in their mouths. Um, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a different story with you, because um, it's it's kind of it's kind of uh, related. Some woman just recently died, and her big thing, her whole thing, she was it was these sisters that died from killing. Uh, they 
not not died. I wish I could find this thing because I, I I don't have to find it right now because we can just edit it out after if it takes too long. But I have to find the exact story because the exact story was pretty interesting. And what made the story interesting was it was something that they would never ever do with the with the black person who did who did the same thing. But but let me let me see if I could find it. But basically, I'll tell you what I can remember from the story as I'm trying as I'm trying to find the exact article. But there's this woman that died recently. And who she was, she was a woman um, who, what they did was her and her, I think her sister and some friend, they um, they fought Nazis by um, seducing them. What they did was they would seduce a Nazi and <clears throat> then um, the Nazis would follow them into the woods to like, make out. And when they did that, when they would do that, uh, they would kill them. She, she was a 90-year-old, she, she, she was a 90-year-old lady who... Um, who, which was a teenager, her job was she would lure Nazis in by seducing them, and then uh, some some men would kill would kill the the Nazis, and they just kept doing this big honey trap. And then they even asked her, "Hey, did you kill any of them yourself?" And she was like, "Yeah." And they were just celebrating how great she was. And I was like, they would never have done that for a black girl who lured white men in the south to um to the deaths for like black men hiding in the woods to kill hmm. them like like you know that that would not even be yeah i didn't hear anything about yeah that story. yeah um but no i mean they they covered it like like crazy and i mean i i mean i i hear what you're saying i gotta see if i could find the exact article i read because the article was was fascinating but but just, okay. just the yeah but it was um very interesting when she said that she killed some herself the article got even more complimentary like you know she really put like uh skin in the game and <laughs> And like, um, it's just, it was just really weird because people are still conflicted about uh, Nat Turner. And then this thing is, it was, it was very interesting. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but it's just kind of funny when you compare what this guy kept yeah. saying nonviolent like eight times to discuss Martin Luther King, but doesn't talk about like all the groups of black people with guns or any other armed insurrections. He would never ever say that because um, black people aren't supposed to do that. Like, that's that black uh black realism like you know it's it's unnatural it's it's it's, un, it's unreal like uh to try to get the same types of uh things it's 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 really it's really it's really amazing um i think i think i know what the article is it's it's in it's inquis inquisitor it is let's see but vice did a story about her while she was still alive in 2016 and then um so so vice did a story about it then when she died there were a lot of uh things praise praising her washington post uh discussed her and a lot of people were giving condolences to her and r.i.p yeah and the speeches that people give for uh black people are so different and that's what really uh fascinates me they they admit that a didn't work and you know it's still it was still um better that that they went out like like that so let's it's something. It's it, it's something. So so she's. I thought that I thought that was a. I thought that was a very uh, interesting thing to um, contrast. This is this is the article. Free, Freddie Overstegen, who as a teenager lured Nazis into a forest to make out, then had them killed, dies at ninety two, and then they put under it. Yes, I shot them too. And what am I but a person? As in, of course, it's natural that I would kill them. I would want to. I'm a human being. <laughs> Oh, 
you want to pick them up. I don't know what that means. So, so they not only celebrated her, but the pull quote they thought was most important to put under the title was, "Of course, I shot them too. I'm a I'm a human." Like you know, like like uh, very very different than what they say when a black freedom fighter dies. First of all, a black guy who did this, they would not have done a story like this at his at his death, or they would have said at one point he embraced violence but regretted it uh, later. You know, like even even like 24 hours after a black person is wronged, they're looking to, for them to express forgiveness. You know, remember that uh, North Carolina thing with Dylan yeah. Roof? They're asking the family, like, the bodies the bodies aren't even cold. Yeah. This thing happened so many, this, ha- this happened like over 70 years ago. And they're still celebrating that, that she does not regret a thing. And they want you to um, be making peace 12 hours later when it's a black person. Because it's just natural that black people are supposed to die. It's like, you don't think, you don't think of it the same have you had any luck in the article up? Yeah, I got it up. Yeah, yeah. From I the Inquisitor? down this page. Yeah, do you want to read it? Freddie Overstegen, who, as a teenager, lured Nazis into a forest to make out, then had them killed, dies at 92. <laughs> yes, I too shot them. And what am I about the person? Oh, let me stop that. I don't know why. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you want to pick them yeah. up? I don't know what that means, but it was a quote. So I, that's why I tried to. That's stupid. Okay, anyway. Freddy Overstegen, a true World War II hero, passed away on September 5th, one day short of her 93rd birthday, reports the Inhumider Corrent. Overstegen was part of the Dutch resistance and lured Nazis into the woods under false pretenses. The men thought that they had struck it lucky and that they would soon be making out with the lovely Overstegen, only to embrace the cold touch of death when she shot them. Freddy and Truist Overstegen Recruited as youngsters. Who's yeah, yeah, that's her sister. Is that her sister? Okay. Yeah. Okay, her and her sister were in on this together. Overstegen was a member of one of the most effective and famous Dutch, Dutch resistance cells, the Rod van Verzit, or Council of Resistance of the Second World War. This particular cell was charged with saving Jewish children, destroying railway lines, killing Nazis, and any of the Nazi occupation in the Netherlands by any means necessary. Ooh, yeah, but, by any means necessary. Uh, Where'd that come words. from? It's very interesting. It's very interesting the context in which those words will scare them and won't scare them. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it though? Freddie and her sister Truist Overstegen were just 14 and 16 years old, respectively, when they were recruited to be part of the cell, which at the time consisted of seven people, according to Vice. Her mother, a divorcee who kept us well informed about the war, agreed. The Overstegen sisters were recruited because the Council of Resistance knew that their oppressors would not easily suspect young girls. This massive advantage made it possible for them to go unnoticed as they worked in the resistance. But it seems as if it was the girls themselves who suggested that they would like to do more, according to the, according to I'm Girl Boss. Sure. What is that? Is that a, another no another idea. publication? Very interesting. I have no idea what that is. Girl Boss. It's a, I clicked on the link. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, the Overseeker sisters seduced Nazis to kill them. She relates a story of how Truist seduced one particular big shot Nazi. Truist, I don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. It's I mean, I have no idea either, but it's fine. Truist, <laughs> Truist met him in a bar and they went for a stroll in the woods. In this instance, Freddie played lookout to make sure that no one was coming. A fellow resistance worker then met them by coincidence and chided her. They apologized, turned around, and walked away. And then shots were fired, so that so that man never knew what hit him. <laughs> They're the celebrating shooting people. The They're celebrating shooting people in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a black person. Yeah. 
they're, they're totally different animals. You know, it wasn't like it was, you know, they were sicking dogs on black yep. people or something. Yeah. Like minor. These guys were. But Overstegen didn't escape the harsh and evil realities of wartime resistance either. In a television interview, she spoke about how the resistance affected her as a young girl. So now we're going to play the violin. No one miss. He said to shot them. That's where they get that quote. In later years, a woman called Hani Shaft joined them. The 1981 feature film, The Girl with the Red Hair, was about the young woman and the role she played in the Dutch resistance. Together with Hanny, the cell now consisted of three women and five men. Hanny was shot three weeks before the end of the war when a traitor gave her up. She was identified by the red boots, wait a minute, by the red roots of her hair, which she had dyed black. After Hanny's death and the end of the war, she shot to fame with 15 streets being yeah, named she after her. She got 15 the war streets heroine. named after her. She was, all, she was also streets. reburied with honors. Mm-hmm. While the Overstegen sisters never received the same kind of acclaim, it was only in 2014. So Fanny got Hanny got most of the stuff because she died, but the sisters, uh, in 2014, like over 70 years after it happened, people found out about them and they celebrated them 70 years later, like you know, saying, "Oh my God, these these women were killing yeah. were killing Nazis so, well, and stuff." Uh, even shouldn't. What about the other guys that are part of that resistance? Um, I guess shouldn't everybody get in the war? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know where the guys. I'm, maybe because yeah, I assume they were doing most of the shit. Yeah, but I guess be, maybe because uh, these were women and it wasn't typical for women to do that. Maybe. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. They were yeah. Yeah. The line, so she. No doubt. So the sister went on to be a, a sought-after public speaker and a renowned artist. Like, like, like they were able to use this to to do a, to kind of uh, come up. Um, so the sister passed away in 92 in 2016 and then this one passed away in 2018 she only passed away recently but they uh got belatedly rewarded and and shot to fame became public speakers and renowned artists the washington post one is even more interesting because that one is really breathless that one is really and by the way i we're not criticizing these women like they did what humans are supposed to do like you know like because cause there's a part where you said, uh, you know, break out the violin. I think people might think, oh, you're trying to say that she didn't really go through anything. But No, I just, just yeah, sound yeah, like how they're yeah, romanticizing yeah. it you know, on her behalf. Uh, Not that she, or she put she, her ass on the line. And of course she did. Of course, or, I, I or, think she did she, the right she, thing. And, and she probably was you know, traumatized. But it's interesting the range to which the expression, a response to a trauma is allowed. You know, she's allowed. It's not... Huh. It, Oh yeah, and you gotta you gotta pardon me if I just you know don't get this you know that worked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because Beto Beto has nothing to do. It's not against her personally. Has to say nonviolent like seven times to talk about like black heroes, and he can only choose the one who's known for nonviolent. He can't throw in Malcolm. There's like a bunch of people he could have thrown in there. Some of whom took armed resistance. Can you imagine if he threw like Nat Turner in there? (laughs) Like that would have he would have been dead. That would have been it. But but listen listen to listen to this one. This this one is able to scroll for me. So. I'm not going to repeat too much. I, I'm just going to jump to key parts of this Washington Post one. The Dutch resistance was widely believed to be a man's effort in a man's war. If women were involved, the thinking went, they were likely to do little more than handing out anti-German pamphlets or newspapers. Yet Freddie Overstegen and her sister Truis, two years her senior, were rare exceptions. A pair of teenage women who took up arms against Nazi occupiers and Dutch traders on the outskirts of Amsterdam. With Hanny Shaft, a one-time law student with fiery red hair, they sabotaged bridges and rail lines with dynamites, shot Nazis while riding their bikes, and donned disguises to smuggle Jewish children across the country and sometimes out of concentration camps. And perhaps their most daring act, they seduced their targets in taverns or bars, asked if they wanted to go for a stroll in the forest, and quote-unquote liquidated them, as Mrs. Overstegen put it, with the pull of a trigger. 
Uh, we had to do it, she told one interviewer. It was a necessary evil, killing those who betrayed the good people. When asked how many people she killed or helped kill, she demurred, one should never ask a soldier that. So, like, wow, they were just praising all this stuff. They would never say, like, uh, it's a necessary evil to kill people who betray good people. You don't ask a soldier how many people they killed. Uh, and it means, like, a, a nice feminist act. Like, it wasn't usually a woman's duty to do this, but these women broke ground by killing uh oppressors as well as men like like it's uh it was very very inter very interesting and you know that's and 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 uh they got movies made out of, made out of them too over the over the decades there was one in 1981 they uh right. memorialized the uh, hannah the hanny girl with the movie called the girl with the red hair yeah so i mean yeah I, that's all i had to say i, I thought that all that was very interesting yeah the, it was. yeah yeah that just happened that. this week that she died and it's just interesting you know what? Yeah, I did hear something. Yeah, something. and the Washington Post thing when it came out like five hours ago, their obituary, the Inquisitor one came out earlier over the weekend. But I just found it so interesting compared to the Beto thing. And the black people were so grateful for that that non-speech from that non-committal thing from from Beto. Oh my God, <laughs> I wish I had the uh, things handy of all the invited to the cookouts and he's a walk bay that people were saying about Beto. It's like. We're so ready for the bare minimums. Exactly, and they're yeah. so ready to give them to us too. I wonder. I want. You know. I wonder. Do you know? Do they laugh? You know. I. You know, probably doesn't think that so shit? Like, because they subscribe to um, black pathology realism too. So to them, like you know, I mean, it would be like when your dog gets happy for getting tossed a treat. To them, it's not like you're tossing a human a treat. So like, like if you if you toss a treat to a human. And they were so happy about it, like a dog was. You'd be like, wow, this human, I, I got to laugh at him. He really sucks. But when a dog acts like that, he's, he's just a dog. He's supposed to. <coughs> yeah, so, so you know, I don't I don't I think that, that they, they, they laugh at us because I think they just realize that we realize the truth, that we're, we're inferior, our needs matter less, and it's natural for us to be in this depraved state. I, I mean, to, to be black in America, mm -hmm. to survive mentally, like psychologically, I think to a degree, you have to commit yourself to the same thing. Like, I think a middle-class black person does the same thing, that there's a certain amount of... I mean, I pass as many black homeless people yeah. in the course of a day as, as a white person does and get, make myself as numb to it as a lot of white people. Maybe a little bit less. Like, like mm -hmm. I look at it and think, wow, there's a lot of them that kind of look like me, you know? But for the most part, I just kind of have accepted that's just how things go. Yeah, I think we all, we all do it. Yeah. I mean, it, this is pretty much a, a bummer of an episode. It started out pretty lighthearted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like you said. Yeah, it is what it is. Black in America, man, it's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, you know, it's like, man, you got, you got to kind of, you know, you got to, if you're going to be honest about it, like you said, either, either you go, or you're just going to make yourself numb to it one way or the other, you know, you see that you're going to, you know, like block it out or you're going to, you know, pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Perpetually angry. Yeah, exactly. To, to kind a degree, of you kind of have to, um, except that black pathology realism because seriously like if you were to just let yourself really process all of it you would just have to like overthrow everything like you wouldn't yeah how would you go to work it was, yeah yeah exactly yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I find it hard exactly. enough as it is yeah, i hear you on that oh man uh, uh some of the headlines like, i can't find the actual tweets but i can show some headlines beta o'rourke's fiery labor day speech yeah beta o'rourke just made this moving speech on making texas inclusive for everyone and you know i, I think that to everyone <laughs> it's it's like uh 
Oh God, it's it's crazy. All right, all right. Well, I mean, that's today's show. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Um, oh yeah, the champagne sharks. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. You're right. This end day, cause T, cause they're fucking with T about it. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks for five dollars a month to get two episodes a week instead of one and you get access to all the back episodes which at this point is over 50 really good deal and you get a lot of great insight and conversation and again patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks and thanks for joining us